0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: We like to call this the Sunday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. Let's rock it out to the diamond. Yes, one of my favorite weeks in sports. February, as we mentioned, is a downtime usually overall, but one of the beauties of February is... Pitchers and catchers report to spring training, and that happened both in Arizona and Florida this week, which means the season is just around the corner. Hopefully spring is just around the corner. Can't tell by the weather we're dealing with this week, but we are going to talk baseball for the next several minutes with one of our good buddies. He covers the entire Major League Baseball scene for Sports.com. Matt Snyder jumped aboard here on CBS Sports Radio. Are you ready for some baseball, Matthew?
2: yeah yeah I'd say so uh you know we we only got a sixty game season last year although the playoffs were extra you know with extra teams and they they were a lot of fun but i'm I'm excited for a full season and it is it's always fun to think about baseball being played somewhere, especially when I'm staring outside at like eight inches of snow on the ground so yeah <laughs> uh,
1: you you and I both. <laughs> and- All offseason, we worry about, ooh, free agency is moving slowly. Our team's worried about uh, the bottom line and holding back. How players are potentially getting stiffed. And then we get to this point... And we're even ahead of the game. Just a couple of years ago, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, not signed by this time. Both of them went all the way into March before they signed. So all the big free agents were off the board. A great number of all the free agents were off the board. I think it's been a—I probably made too big a deal of of it as it was unfolding. But I think it's turned out to a fairly predictable and fairly even offseason. How about yourself? Yeah, I agree. It it just it
2: took so long uh to get going and I think a lot of that was the uncertainty. Like teams they had no idea, you know, are we going to have fans? What percentage are we going to be able to fill the ballpark? As such you know, are we going to have a shortened season? That's why I think there was a lot of waiting probably on both sides. You know, it's because if you're the players, you're you're obviously going to want the biggest deal possible. And if teams are worried there's only going to be, you know, an 81-game season again with no fans, they might not want to pay as much. So you you wait until we get more certainty. And then, yeah, I mean, if you think about the deals like George Springer, JT Realmuto, got, those are pretty much in line with what we would have thought they were going to get pre-pandemic. So I think it all ended up okay. It was just kind of later, way later than usual.
1: And then, to put an exclamation point on the offseason, we get the deal that came down this week that I sure as heck did not see coming. I knew that uh, Tatis and the Padres were talking about a potential extension that could buy out a little of his arbitration. Fourteen years. Didn't know that kind of a deal was going to be put together. (laughs) I I know he's had two really good partial seasons so far, eye-opening and MVP consideration-ish last year in the 60-game season. But when you add up to two years, it still doesn't come to the total of one year. He's played in 140 and change, not 162 yet. Is this too much for too little having actually been achieved? Um, and I don't think so. I, I, I feel like he's
2: can't miss from from this point forward. And the, given how young he is, fourteen years. Well, that gets him to age thirty five. That's ba- that's probably post prime, but not into his forties or anything. Like you know, Joey Votto's deal takes him into his forties. Albert Pujols, we saw, we've seen this ten year deal go not very well at all. But that's eating into his forties. This is getting him to his mid thirties. But what he would make in like his arbitration years, and then what he would probably be getting by the time he gets to free agency, this is probably reasonable. But I to, to play you can play devil's advocate easily. Like you said, 143 games, 629 played appearances. Man, we're betting an awful lot on him after just that much major league service time.
1: If I were to tell you that this was going to go one way or the other. When you do these type of deals, yeah. oftentimes it either turns out to be a tremendous bargain and he lives up to expectations or it surpasses him. Then you have him on a team-friendly deal or he doesn't come close to it. Injuries kick in. You can't even get him on the field and the uh, contract becomes an albatross and a disaster. If I guarantee you it's going to be one of the two, it's not going to be, well, he got... Probably would would have gone year to year. This is probably about the money we would have talked about. Uh, If it's going to go either tremendously great or awfully bad, which one do you think is more likely with this contract?
2: Uh, I think the safest bet would be to say it's going to go badly because there's just so many years in there. There's so many things that can go wrong. He's only 21. But I'll go out on a limb here. I'll say that it ends up being club friendly and he ends up being that good. I'll say he wins at least one MVP. Um, and he's on a Hall of Fame track here within the next four or five years.
1: That would uh, certainly make the deal seem to be worthwhile. And, again, the other known that we do not have is where our salary's going to go in the future. We can yeah, true, guess true. and speculate they could go through the roof or they could level off. And then we'll evaluate it as we go. We're talking to our buddy, Matt Snyder, from CBSSports.com about the kickoff of the baseball season with pitchers and catchers reporting this week. All right, so Fernando Tatis is in San Diego. He is the new star of that team of that town didn't they just add a three hundred million dollar star last year? <laughs> yeah, and Manny did. Machado, how is the sharing of center stage in San Diego going to go between these two? Um, it, it should be fine. Uh, you you would think
2: having extra star power would just make everybody happier. Um, it, it, Machado, we've seen him at times get in trouble with his attitude, and we've seen him uh, you know make comments like "I'm never going to be Johnny Hustle" or anything but he's never really shown a a jealous streak of teammates or anything like that. Um, And Tatis is a kid, man. So I don't, I I think it's going to be just fine. Uh, I think Machado probably is plenty, plenty content with his $300 million uh, to just go out there and just try to to hit home runs and, and play good defense at third. So my guess is it'll be okay. Um, one thing that is interesting to me is that San Diego is the last major pro professional sports team. The Padres are the last major professional sports team in San Diego, so it's the only one. So, surely the town's big enough for for two super duper stars, right?
1: That's true. The only show in town, they can take their yeah. stage together. Um, and all that being said, with a three hundred million dollar third baseman, a three hundred forty million dollar shortstop. They still look like on paper as only the second best team yeah. in the National League West. They might be the second best team in the National League. They might be the second best team in all of baseball. The baseball. But unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> they share that division with a team called the Dodgers, who are not only defending champions, but also added to their arsenal during the offseason. Um, Trevor Bauer was the latest signing, and he got a big contract. Uh, average uh, per annual year, uh, but not necessarily a long-term contract. So it was kind of a compromised position. He keeps his freedom, but he gets paid a whole lot up front. Uh, Dodgers are going for back-to-back. How does Trevor Bowers act play in L.A.? Uh,
2: that's the, what, $140 million question, isn't it? <laughs> um, he's, they, they, in the press conference, they talked about him kind of being a jerk to to some people on Twitter and they said, well, you know, we, we think he's going to be on his best behavior, but he's still picking fights with people left and right. Uh, it's not like majorly problematic stuff, I guess, but like Marcus, he said something, somebody accused him of being racist and, and Marcus Stroman did that little thinking emoji back to him. And then he started going after Stroman and it's like, come on, man, just get off Twitter. Uh, It'll be interesting. Now they have won the World Series, so it's not a case where they're just desperately trying to break through and finally get that one World Series title. But you would also think somebody like Clayton Kershaw, who we know in the past that he had problems with the SEO league, at some point surely it, it, Kershaw is going to be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I, I, I even whether it's, I mean, he's not going to say anything in public. That's not how Kershaw is, but. I would just think that there would be a few guys on the team, maybe Mookie Betts has been very vocal, um, especially in light of the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mookie Betts has been very vocal on that front. And, and with Bauer kind of throwing all Lives Matter around on Twitter today, I you just get the feeling that at some point somebody like Betts or Kershaw is going to go up to him and be like, dude, you need to shut
1: up. Be very interesting in that Dodger clubhouse this year. All right, since you mentioned Kershaw, Let me make a big deal out of something that maybe doesn't need to have a big deal made out of it. Um, If you you ask me who the best pitcher on the Dodgers was during their championship season last year, the answer is Walker Bueller. If you ask me who has been the best Dodger over a period of time, that'd be Clayton Kershaw. And if you ask me which pitcher now being a Dodger had the best season in baseball (laughs) last year, that'd be Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Only, only one of them can start opening day. Does it matter? And if so, who's getting the nod? It it, it shouldn't matter. My hunch
2: is it matters to Bauer. I bet you he wants to. Um, if I had to guess right now, if I had to bet right now, I would say it's going to be Kershaw on opening day. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Did we just kind of take for granted how great Kershaw is and sleep on him last year because... 2.16 ERA, that's his best ERA since 2016. 62 strikeouts and 8 walks and 58 innings. I mean, this guy was off the charts, nails last year, and it kind of flew under the radar. I, I just he, he kind of revamped his arsenal. Uh, he doesn't throw as hard as he used to, which always is going to happen when you get up into the 30s. But I, I, I wonder if we started to take him for granted, and just because he's not winning three signs out of four years anymore, we're sleeping on how good he still is.
1: Yeah, he is and they're top three. Anyway, you slice them, you put them out there, 1-2-3, 3-2-1, 1-3-2, it doesn't much matter. You've got three damn good pitchers coming at you. Uh, wouldn't want to face them in a three-game series, that's for damn sure. We're talking to Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com, Baseball Insider, here with us. Uh, Justin Turner signed this week. I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise. I'm a little surprised that it lasted as long as it did. It seemed like Turner needed to go out and do some serious flirting with other teams for the Dodgers to ante up. Was he ever going anywhere? No, I don't think so. I
2: I think... Uh, you know, the Brewers were one of the last teams that were rumored in on him. A lot of that felt like uh, agents just, uh, you know, kind of talking to the Brewers so you can bounce back to the Dodgers and say, hey, the Brewers are interested in us. You better pony up. It felt like that. His heart was always going to be in Los Angeles. That's where he grew into a star. He's rooted there now. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think that. As long as there was mutual interest that I didn't really feel like anybody else even had a chance. I wasn't surprised at all. I would have been shocked if he went
1: anywhere else. Um, that is one side of their infield. We just talked about the left side of the Padre infield. You got Turner on one side of the Dodger infield. And the guy playing next to him had a as good a postseason run as yeah. Turner did, even maybe a little bit better, and that's Corey Seager. We just saw what Fernando Tatis got, who hasn't had near the career so far that Corey Seager has and doesn't have hardware like Corey picked up in last year's postseason He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. How difficult the signing is that going to be for the Dodgers going forward?
2: Yeah, it might be. I mean, after they ponied up for, you know, Bauer and uh, the Mookie Betts extension and they just Turner, it's, they can pay pretty much whatever they want. But I would guess there's going to be a big bidding war. The only thing that's good for the Dodgers here, if they really wanted to stay with Seeger. Uh, is that it's flooded with free agent shortstops short next year. There's Trevor Story, there's Carlos Correa, there's Javier Baez, and Seager. So teams looking for shortstops, they've got a lot of options. In theory, that should drive the market down a little bit. Um, so, so maybe that would make it a little bit easier. But, man, it does seem like – I know it was only a 60-game season, and then, you know – that looked like not only the postseason, but the regular season. It looked like Corey Seager's career year. And he's finished in the top three in MVP voting before. But to hit over 300 again, to slug almost 600, uh, he had himself a year.
1: You did leave one little shortstop out of that free agent the end of the season mix. His name would be Francisco Lindor, who the Mets oh picked I, I, up. Yeah, I was just assuming he's going to get extended. Yeah, uh, you're right. Just assuming, huh? So. Yeah. How much is that going to cost Steve Cohen if Fernando Tatis is pulling down 340? What kind of check is he writing Lindor? Yeah, that one's
2: interesting because you have to kind of split the years out. Like Lindor's already had, what, six or seven of the years that the Padres are paying Tatis for. Um, You know, it's seven years in the 200s maybe, just a total guess. Uh, Something like that. I fully expect it to get done. I mean, look, the Mets were after Springer. They were after Bauer. They didn't land them, but it wasn't because they didn't have enough money. The fact that they were in on those guys and willing to pay those prices on those guys, and the fact that they already traded to get Lindor with just one year left on his deal, says they're going to be highly, highly motivated to extend him before he even gets a chance to go to free agency. Um I, I I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I am assuming he does not hit free agency. I think they're they're going to do they're going to end up offering him something that knocks him over and says, "Hey, I don't need to test free agency."
1: All right. Let's spread our attention in the National League a little bit wider. Uh we've stuck heavy in the West here. Uh Dodgers and Padres are going to run away and hide from the other three teams there. Yeah. The Rockies, the Giants and D-backs look like they're up against it. I don't know about you, but I think the NL Central stinks. It's I, think, terrible. The, I yeah. think the Cardinals are the only team that's guaranteed to be over 500 in that division. If that's the case, if you've got three also Rams in the NL West and a pretty shabby NL Central, is there any chance that all five teams in the National League East finish above 500?
2: Um, I don't think so. They play each other too much. I, I, it would be awfully tough to end up with it. it it's possible. I mean, we've seen it before. Uh, I believe there was one year in the 2000s when the Nationals were 81-81 and 81 and they finished last. Uh, so it's, it's mathematically conceivable. But I feel like the Marlins are, are going to kind of nosedive a little bit. They, they had a lot of things completely break their way in terms of wins and losses, only not talking about like with COVID, because that did not break their way. But I I don't feel like the Marlins are going to be good enough to really stay, remain a a contender throughout the season. So I'll say they're under 500. There is a chance the other four are above 500. The Nationals are better. They still got the three aces. The Phillies basically ran it back from a team that was mediocre last year, but it was really streaky, and they only finished a few games under five hundred. At one point, they won ten of eleven. They're capable of being a contender, and uh, the Mets and Braves are both going to be really, really good. So, yeah, I, I could see four. I'm not. I, I can't see the Marlins getting there.
1: I'm sure you saw the Poda rankings, and a couple of their rankings came as a major surprise to me. They only had the Braves at eighty two. Oh, the Braves, 80. yeah, I, yep. If, if you ask me to pick the third best team in the National League, that's where I'm going after the Dodgers and the Padres. What Thanks. about their numbers? Uh, don't compute the analytics thereof. Doesn't have Atlanta winning another division. They wanted to get two years in a row, and I think Charlie Morton's only going to help them this year, and Anderson looked like the real deal to him for the entire season this year. What, how does Pakoda not like Atlanta? I don't know
2: for sure. Uh, it's always seems low on some teams. I remember like the, the when the Royals won the World Series, it was really down on them. and They were one of those teams that it just felt like the, the hole was greater than the sum of the parts. Uh, maybe there's something like that going on with the Braves. Uh, I, I can't be sure. Maybe it's the, some unknowns on the pitching side because I, I can't see how anything could underrate their offense. Their offense is loaded. Uh, maybe it's just, Martin's age, uh, some of the youngsters like Anderson, like you mentioned, not being totally proven, so there's not as much of a track record to statistically kind of throw in there into that, whatever they do on the Pacoda. Uh, that, that question might be above my pay grade right there, though. I, I don't know. It, it, they always seem to, like, when the Cubs were, elite for several years ago, they were always lower on the Cubs than they should have been. Like I said, those Royals teams, they were always lower on them than they should have been, and the, the Braves these last few years, it's always been lower on them for whatever reason.
1: I'm glad I'm not the only one who understands it. I uh, don't understand <laughs> it. Uh, Matt Snyder, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, jumping over to the American League. In his day, Tony LaRusso was a hell of a manager, a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah. I believe his day is come and gone, but at age 76, He's going back into the dugout with a young White Sox team. They've got nice balance, but key is going to be a couple of real young guys on that team. Jimenez and uh, Robert and uh, Mankata. Is he, at age 76, the guy to be piloting the White Sox to an American League Central division? I, I mean, I have I
2: strongly felt like the answer is no, pretty much from the time he was hired, from the time he was rumored. To to be interviewing for the job, it's just—it's been ten years. Um, He he had a reputation for not getting along well with like younger guys and newer school guys. And gosh, you look at the White Sox, and that's as new school as you can get. Uh, So surely, at some point, this was addressed in the interview process, and surely he said something like he's adaptable and he's he's okay with younger guys doing their thing, but. Man, it was as recently as like 2019. He was complaining about guys bat flipping. So I, I, him and Tim Anderson, I, I don't know. I don't know um, if I had to bet on it. There's something's going to happen at some point this season <laughs> that's going to be controversial between manager and, and at least one of his players. It just seems like a bad fit.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree there. And uh, the Indians in that division for a couple years running now, kudos and more credit to their management upper. Uh, front office, and uh, certainly their uh, guy in the dugout, Terry Francona, is as good a manager as there is in baseball. They've cut payroll again. Can this team overachieve again? Because I look at that roster, I go, there's no way they're getting above 500. Yet They continue to do it year after year. Is this the year it finally catches up with them? My,
2: My guess would be yes uh they still seem like they just churn out above average pitchers off an assembly line and you got Bieber at the top of the rotation, twenty seconds of look good. Uh but yeah, I just I, I'm not seeing it. So I, I, I think they're they're good enough to finish third. They're be- they're gonna be better than the Royals and Tigers, but uh that's not saying a ton. But yeah, I, I can't see them keeping up with the the White Sox and Twins. there. And and they're probably even going to fall out of the wild card contention before September. But uh, I will say this. I don't feel great about betting against Terry Francona. So (laughs) that's like the one thing I feel like as good as they are developing pitching and they've got Terry Francona, that's good enough to keep them competitive for a while. But at some point, talent's going to take over.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I I don't like picking against Francona, but he might be up against it this year. And one more team in that division, that's the Blue Jays. Yankees are the favorite. Yankees have the most depth. Yankees have the biggest payroll. They deserve where they are pre-rated before the season started at the top. But I think the Blue Jays had a real nice off-season. They've got a good balance of veteran free agents coming in, maybe guys who have won elsewhere, and the uh, really young studs that they brought through their system going into this year. But they're going to start the year in Dunedin because we still yeah. have COVID issues with the border and the like. They know they're playing all their April games there. They're hoping to get back to Toronto by May. But that, all that is is hope can a team be competitive like that playing in a minor league park for uh, an unknown period of time which could turn out to be a full season they've got to be awfully mentally
2: tough uh the thing about that is though you have to be very mentally tough just to make it in in major league baseball so i i guess time will tell uh i love their offense love 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 their offense Uh, pitching staff You've got Ryu at the top, then, okay, what version of Robbie Ray are we going to get? Is Nate Pearson ready to to take a big step forward after being a top prospect? What versions of Tanner Roark or Steven Matz are you going to get? Their their rotation could be awful, or it could be actually pretty good. So uh, we'll see how much that messes with the routine. Um, If anything, I would be inclined to to downgrade him a bit, just because with so much unknown, I feel like that would have to mess with you at least a little bit.
1: All right, last thing. Who's going to be the best player in baseball this year?
2: I'll stick with Trout. I'm pretty comfortable there. I think I'm pretty comfortable with Mookie Betts at number two as well. And then number three is where there's a lot of people in the running, and it's an awfully tough call.
1: Matt, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. You know we'll be tapping into you plenty during the course of the year. Thanks for hopping on with us tonight. All right, have a good one. Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com, one of our baseball guys who we will talk to plenty for the 2021 season. You want to talk about the 21 season, get on my phones right now. We'll come back and restoke the phones, 855-212-4227. Jody Mac here with you on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the
0: all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.